Welcome back to So Every Soul Sings Worship for the Real Church. Uh, Rod and I are so excited because we have somebody else with us today yeah. besides just the two of us. Yes, finally, <laughs> some variety. It's about time. Uh, we are actually here with a dear friend of mine, and he is also newly a representative of a very special missions agency called City for the Nations. And his name is Jason Hale. Hello. This is where we insert the crowd noise. So you all just imagine this crowd noise going wild. Yes. His lovely wife, Deanna, is not here today, but she belongs with him. And they have two amazing children, Jackson and Jaden. And where are Jackson and Jaden from? So uh, they're both internationally adopted. We uh, adopted Jaden from Vietnam when he was just an infant back in, oh goodness, 2007. And then Jackson uh, is from Thailand, and we have just now finished up uh, his adoption, got it all finalized, and that's been two and a half years ago. So brought him home in 2017, wow. summer of 2017. So That's so beautiful. City for the Nations actually started several years ago with also another very good friend of ours named Miles Phelps in the city of Lexington, Kentucky. And you, you might be able to do a better job than me because I'll give way too many um, details. But basically it started out with a group of people going to a conference about finishing the task is the name of the conference. I think it's at Saddleback Church, I believe. And it basically maps the remaining people groups, which are usually defined by a language that they speak, the remaining people groups in the world that do not have churches among that population. Most of them, probably almost all of them, do not have the scriptures in that language and do not have a statistically significant amount of believers even mm. from that group. And they began amassing everybody they could think of in the city of Lexington from pastors to youth pastors to student ministries on campus to missions organizations business leaders and churches and prayer people in the city of Lexington and they uh, adopted the nation of Nepal there uh, at the time were 52 people groups in the nation of Nepal wow. that were unreached and unengaged as they say so city for the nations the city of Lexington for the nation of Nepal mm -hmm. right so that's kind of the first step along the journey mm -hmm. okay and that was <clears throat> probably five or six years ago uh, when that began and then they began as uh, most good things to spread mm -hmm. and to replicate and to multiply okay now before we go any further this is a worship ministry podcast right so why are we talking about mission stuff? Should we bring Jason in for that part? Or do you want to run with that? What do you think? Come on, Jason, bring it. I mean, to, just to give a little bit of background of us, uh, my wife and I, uh, we've done some short-term missions in the past, uh, both before we were married and then after we were married. And uh, in 2010, uh, we joined um, with a group, uh, a missions organization called Youth with a Mission, uh, known as YWAM to, to those that are in the, in the know. And uh, we were a part of a DTS called Call to All, which has a very similar um, very similar task as City for the Nations. And Call to All was designed to 
um, engage all the different spheres of society um, and to bring together churches, missions, organizations to work together so that they could work more efficiently to basically finish the Great Commission by reaching unreached, uh, unengaged people groups around the world. So we did similar things when we would go on outreaches as to um, mapping where we went, what resources were in those uh, in those countries where work was already being done, uh, any unengaged people groups that we may come across, um, and bring that information and data back. And again, um, they worked on something called a 4K mapping, which basically mapped out that information. And um, Call to All is still going to this day. Uh, they're still working with missions organizations like the IMB, uh, Campus Crusade uh, was a big part of it, Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, because as Bethany already mentioned, um, with unengaged unreached peoples, not only do they need to hear the gospel, they need the Bible in their language, uh, and they also worked on um, other things um, like techniques and I guess using modern um, conveniences that we have, <laughs> iPhones, iPads, and being able to bring in like the Jesus film and ways to show that, you know, when you are, you know, in a secluded, you know, tribe around the world. So, yeah. and if you don't know the Jesus film, find out about the Jesus film. It's mm -hmm. been an amazing, amazing tool God has used to reach people that have been heretofore unreachable, yes. and so that's been incredible. And, and yeah. part of part of what we did there, which ties into your your question, was. Mm -hmm. um, Prayer and worship was always a, a huge part of, of what we did as missionaries. Um, anytime you're going, whether it's um, across the street, across the world, uh, to share the love of Christ. I mean, worship and prayer, um, that is our avenue to the Father, to His heart. And uh, so being that connected with Him uh, through that, is what drives the desire to reach those around us, whether it's you know your neighborhood, your family, or another nation. Absolutely. So it makes me think immediately of Isaiah six, which is a classic. Were you <laughs> thinking too. that? Yes. Yeah, that's shocking that we would think of the same I know. thing. Uh, it's, <laughs> Here it's I am. A very classic worship teaching passage mm -hmm. that ends with. Isaiah, well, it doesn't end. There's a point at which Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Mm -hmm. And then God says, go and tell the people. Mm -hmm. And so that call often comes upon people when they are in a worship gathering. Mm -hmm. um, the, the mission that Isaiah was sent on as a prophet was birthed in a worship experience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, we struggle, I think, to integrate the worship gathering with real life. Mm -hmm. Probably we struggle with it more than God does. Way. And, yeah. Way more. And, and God says, this is one of the things that happens when my people get together. Like, I will tap somebody in the shoulder and say, go. Or I will empower somebody with my spirit to go. Or I will stir a desire in them, even before they're aware of it, to go. Um, but it also, from what you're describing, it, it is part of what empowers the mission activity itself, right? So, yeah. so what we do when we gather for worship isn't just choosing four or five or if we're really lucky, six songs. Um, <laughs> it is, it is creating a context in which people are called and empowered to do missions. Is that 
Does that match up with what you're saying? That was a great way to say it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Go, Bethany. What's your next question? Well, I wanted to say first. Okay. Before that, you ask your question, Bethany, yeah, tell worship, us what you're thinking. <laughs> worship is not music. Like yeah. we, we try to, I try to say that often. That right. worship is a response to a revelation of God or Tim Harris said it's a deliberate response, which I loved as well. Mm -hmm. You don't accidentally worship, you respond. But God, again, is the great initiator. And Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I think that our goal uh, with this podcast, certainly, and having you as a part of our podcast is to encourage those who are in a position of leadership to recognize that, yes, we lift up Jesus, uh, we lift up his name, we respond to aspects of his character, but that then, as you said, um, ends up with God tapping people on the shoulder, it, it ends up with people writing checks for missions mm -hmm. organizations, writing letters yeah. to missionaries, to giving their neighbor a blanket because they need a blanket like and god uses those things to draw people to himself so i'm just thinking what do we do like on the on the side of being faithful worship planners worship leaders worship team members what do we do to maximize that space that um, room where the spirit of God will tap somebody to go, to give, to pray. Um, how does that become practical for the worship person listening to this podcast? Does that question make sense? Mm -hmm. So Jason, as a worshiper, but not a worship <laughs> leader per se. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? We can toss it to Bethany first, if you want to think about it. <laughs> no, I just feel, uh, a little unqualified for that, but yeah, but see, we're planning worship for you, right? Yeah. Like worship leaders don't plan worship for worship leaders. Worship leaders no. plan worship for real people yeah. who are struggling with real life issues and sitting in real seats in the room. And, and they are trying to figure out, should I pray today? If so, how should I give today? If so, how should I go? And if so, how, so how do we create the kind of experience that serves the, the person in the in the seat in the worship service? I think first it's probably maybe the, the obvious answer is to be that connected, you know, in, in your, whatever your process is leading up to, you know, that time of worship, you okay. know. Um, being connected, what do you mean by being, being connected? Being connected to, to, to the Father through, okay. through your own, um, through your own personal worship, whatever that looks like. If it's, you know, if it's actual worship through singing or worship through, you know, the revelation of his word as you're reading it, you know, um, there's, and I think Tim kind of mentioned that today in, in what we were all a part of, of that can, that connection has to be first and foremost before anything can be let, you know, before you can lead well yeah. in, in a group setting. Mm -hmm. And so with with worship drawing us into the father's heart um, those things that are that are on his heart w 
How do I say this? Those things that are on his heart, you know, are going to become part of your heart, mm -hmm. which will become um, your heart for your congregation or whomever you're leading in that worship. And therefore, transfer those things to those people. Sorry. I wish those of you listening could see the tears in his eyes yes. and the quiver in his lip. <laughs> because it's moving and it's it's relevant. This is um, this is so important that we that we uh, delight ourselves in the Lord, so that He will give us the desires of our heart. Um, when we delight in Him, this, that's the psalmist, by the way. That's not my me writing psalms. That's David from centuries ago. That's not uh, the Rogers. <laughs> no. Um, when we delight ourselves in the presence of the Father, then the presence of the Father puts desires in our hearts for Him and for the people that we lead. Yeah. And so when we lead from a place of intimacy, first with God, you said, but I would add to that with our people. It's one of the beauties of, of serving in a place for more than a few months or a couple of years is you, you have this level of spiritual intimacy with the people that you lead, and that allows you to connect the heart of God with the heart of your people, which is... That's what a priest does. And, and in my theology, we're all priests. So that's what we all do for one another. Mm -hmm. and, and we do that as worship planners. Like the songs you pick aren't just because they're cool or in the CCLI top 25 that month or on the radio or because your friend played it and you liked it. Like the, there's so much more to what we do when we design worship gatherings that unlocks that connection of intimacy between the Father and the people that he has sought who are worshiping him. Mm -hmm. And that and that is what gives birth to so much of what happens in missions, whether it's City for the Missions or you mentioned other organizations or others that we haven't mentioned. I mean, that's just what happens. By the way, if you're listening and, and you're wondering uh, why our hearts may be so soft and tears in our eyes... <laughs> Uh, we just wrapped up a full day worship conference here in Bowling Green that was mind-blowingly powerful and beautiful. Uh, and and if you're listening in March or April or May, then this is the end of February. Uh, and we just have all kind of been wrecked by this time together. And Tim Harris, my pastor that I, t I think I talk about in every episode, uh, Tim, Tim spoke and um, man, God just anointed him and his talk for us today. And so, so much of what we are right now and our thinking is coming out of those sessions, which mm -hmm. were beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, Relay in 2021, well, by the way, if you're anywhere near Bowling Green, we'll be on February 20th and we'd Woo! love to see you. So go to RelayWorship.com and we will keep you informed. Okay, shameless plug over. Um, yeah. Well, here's another one. Come on. I want to make sure I mention the City for the Nations website. Please do. So if anybody uh, is stirred by this message, please go right now to City for the Nations. Just no capitalized, all the words spelled out, City, F-O-R, cityforthenations.com. Someone mentioned today during our worship conference that what we are about is disciple making. Yeah. It doesn't matter if we're the pastor of a church, a worship leader, a singer, an electric guitar player, yep. a parent, whatever it is, we are to be about making disciples. And oftentimes when we think about missions, we just think, oh, well, I'm not supposed to go. I'm not, you know, I'm not called to do that. I'm, I don't have to do that. But uh, in reality, we're all called to pray, to get ourselves trained in the word and mm -hmm. to give 
And some of us are called to go, you know, to the ends of the earth. But all of us are called to go to our families, to our neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. So this is extremely practical for us. This is not somehow out of the left field, like, why are they they talking about that on this podcast? So check out cityforthenations.com. It is, missions is one of the things that makes a church real. So the tagline is worship for the real church. And the more engaged your congregation is in in doing mission work. And that may be taking trips, but it may just really be going to the restaurant and asking the server, treating them with dignity and inviting them to your church and sharing Jesus and praying for them. It may not be that. I don't, I don't mean that it should, but it could be. And so living on mission, living in mission, living by mission, all of those things make your worship of your congregation more vibrant. The churches that are the most invested in expanding the kingdom of God are the churches that are most expressive in their worship gatherings. I've never seen an exception to that in all the churches I've been to for all of the years I've been doing this as a leader or as an attender. And so there is a practical connection. And the more, one of my goals for my church, because I, I also volunteer to work with our missions committee, um, I would love to see every person in our church do a mission project in a five-year span. Yes. If every attender at my church would do something, local, state, national, international, mm-hmm. something as a missions activity in five years, I think we would have an entirely different church five years from now. And I already serve the best church I know. But I just think there is so much about that. And so that they are... Uh, hand in hand in glove, this whole missions and worship thing, the calling of God in the presence of God thing. Uh, a pastor I learned a lot from in a book that I really love called Vertical Church um, talks in that book about how missions, um, we don't do worship so that we do missions. We do missions so that we can do worship. God does missions because he's seeking worshipers, mm-hmm. John four twenty three says. Mm-hmm. The reason that missions happens is because God is seeking worshipers, and we just join in that work. Yes. That I love the marriage in that text, in that passage, between being on mission for God and the fact that we do worship for God. Mm-hmm. They really are integrally bound. And, and Jason, I love your passion for this. Man, I love that you've kind of sold out your life to do this as a dad, as a, as a person that just lives in the community, in, the, in, in our university community yeah. in our town, um, but also that you would step into a worship conference today to speak for City for the Nations, which, by the way, is a gorgeous website. I love their website. Um, <laughs> because there has to be this connection. If our worship does not result in obedience, it's not real worship. It's not biblical worship. And Amen. for many people, this obedience looks like missions activity. Yes. So I, I love that you've been called to this. And to, to add to what you guys are saying, if, if you look at going back to, to worship and missions, I've kind of already hit on it, but it, every bit of that is relational. Yes. You know, we are, mm. you know we're, we're made as relational beings you know, mm-hmm. with our spiritual relationships, with physical relationships. And the... Um, so the fact of the matter is, when when we worship, that's building the relationship. Which, again, uh, the mission side of it, whether it's here or, or somewhere else, it's all relational. So some people may say, "Well, uh, that's that's not for me." You know, I'm not a person that can go to, you know, the other side of the world to 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 minister. But we all have relationships, whether it's, as you said earlier, with family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, even within our own churches, mm-hmm. there, are, there are relationships where 
the love of Christ can be shared. This discipleship can be can be made and grown in amongst those. And even if you're a, a person that uh, desires to maybe engage with another culture, another you know ethnicity, another whatever, and you don't have the ability yet to to go to that place. I mean, one of the things that's great about where we are, Bowling Green. It's not, you know, it's not a huge city, but we are, there is such a diversity of people. Tremendous it, amount. Uh, yeah. Communities um, of probably some of the unengaged, unreached people that are, you know, across the world are probably in our community right Already. here in, yes. in Bowling Green. <laughs> and, and just because of relationships that we can make um, through our day-to-day life, we have a... a the ability to impact them and to, you know, engage those groups. Uh, you had mentioned earlier some of the um, the mapping that had been done and, and data collecting. And uh, if you go online and look at some of those interactive maps, uh, it's it's amazing um, to see little little points on the on the map of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And and you're thinking, you know, you know, I was I may expect to see this, you know in Asia or the Middle East or, right. or somewhere. And when you go click on, and that is what it is with so, with the world as it is today, with so many people, whether they're coming here as, you know, refugees or, you know, immigrants or coming here to study, mm-hmm. um, there's a diverse populations, uh, probably wherever you are listening to this, exactly. in your own town. Absolutely. And uh, you have an opportunity to engage those people without ever, you know, getting to, a passport. To, to, yeah, yep. to borrow the phrase, leaving the <laughs> comforts of your own home, um, because that I mean, to some people that is a, that is a hindrance of I don't know how I could could do that. I don't know how I could live in another culture and away from family. And mm-hmm. you know, they're they're coming to us, yes. and it's um, just up to us to to step out and reach and engage. Those that are around us, whether they're, you know, they've grown up in the same town as you or they're, they're new to the neighborhood. So, in a, in a city the size of Bowling Green, which is not a large city for those of you outside of our area, um, it really is amazing that we can be a city for the nations by staying in our city. Mm-hmm. We, if we are faithful to share the gospel with the people who are here, mm-hmm. especially connected to Western, because they have a tremendous in, international reach, but, but all over Western Kentucky University, but all over this region. Mm-hmm then those people will have relationships in all of the nations. That's right. Maybe not all of them of the earth, but many, many, many of them. Many. I, I think I heard that there are, there are about 70 different native languages in one of our elementary schools. Mm-hmm. In Warren County, yeah. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just mind-blowing the way the nations have come yes. here. And, and it, it is our calling. It is our responsibility. It is our privilege to be able to share Jesus with those people. And you so. would be amazed at the, when you're open to that, you know, the doors that, that God will open and the things that he will use. Uh, we, as I mentioned earlier, we have two inter- internationally adopted children mm-hmm. and the doors that that has opened within, you know, their, the communities of, uh, of those people, you know, from their nations, their home, their own countries. Um, so you're accepted in the, 
people group of your children because you have done international adoption. Is yeah. that what you're describing? Yeah, basically. I mean, that's remarkable. The uh, we have made so many friendships with the Vietnamese community here in Bowling Green. I went to New Year's <laughs> yeah. with them, the that's Vietnamese so New Year's. Yeah, every, it was amazing. Every year since, you know, basically Jaden was almost one, um, we've been invited to to celebrate with the Vietnamese New Year at Tet. And uh, we go and, you know, we every year we've made more and more friends. Um, it all started because... Like I said, we were looking at Vietnam for adoption, and one of the ways that God led us to that was just putting that in our face over and over again. And mm. my wife ran into uh, uh, a Vietnamese man that was working in one of the local businesses and just started a conversation with him. And, you know, this last year he was there again and amazed at, you know, our son who's now 13. and. Yeah. And getting to watch him grow, and we've just been accepted into into that community because of it. So check out cityforthenations.com. If you want to give, if you want to go, if you want to spread the word in your community, reach out to somebody via the website. But even if you don't, like if that's not what God is calling you to, please don't feel guilty about that. It's okay. God calls all of us to our own path, our own thing. Um, but also remember that you're a creative if you're listening to this, there's a really good chance that there are some creative bones in your body. And think creatively about how you can create in your worship experience as a band member, a tech team person, the worship leader, whatever, pastor. You can create some spaces in your worship gatherings where God can do his work of calling people to accomplish his mission. In fact, if we're not doing that, I'm not sure we're being very faithful. So I just want to encourage you, find a way. Be creative. Think outside the box. Talk to friends. Look for resources. Do whatever you need to do. And let's find a way to plan worship so every soul sings. I mean the souls in Vietnam and yes. Thailand and Nepal and all around the world. All of the souls. God made us for this. So we can do it. Let's build a tribe. People who will come together, agree together, work together so every soul sings.